Hi, this is Chris Linden, former cast member and moderator of the website DisneyChris.com, home of the Disneyland Audio Tour, an amazing collection of audio from the original Disneyland. And you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 68 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we conclude our interview with former Disneyland cast member, former Walt Disney World College Program cast member, and creator of the Disneyland audio website DisneyChris.com, Chris Linden. Last time, we focused mainly on Chris's time as a cast member on the two coasts. This time, we finish that up and talk about his website and what makes it so incredible. Please stick around after the interview, too, as I need your input on some things I'm considering for the podcast. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor now, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that one or any of the 150,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial book, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com audible for your free audiobook. In this episode, Chris talks about working at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular, some behind-the-scenes info about the show and how it's staged, favorite memories while working with guests, whether he'd want to work for Disney again, the first time it hit him that he was doing what he'd always dreamed of, what he loved most about what he did, an overview of his website, DisneyChris.com, how he got started audio editing and how that began to encompass Disneyland, the massive scope of his website, whether he's concerned about copyright infringement issues, his wish list of audio tracks he doesn't have but wants to, what he's working on for the site right now, some other features and highlights from the site, why he took a break from the audio editing and posting for a while, if he could have any job working for Disney, what it would be and why, what inspires him, his advice to you for following your dreams, and of course, shameless plug time. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Hey, it's me, Al. Listen, I'm hijacking the Just Because podcast to start a new series all about the wonderful world of voice acting. Each episode, I'll have a professional voice actor on and ask them some serious, hard-hitting questions to get to the bottom of this in a world. You know, world. If you've ever wanted to know about the inner workings of this magical and mystical business, tune into Just Because, inside the voiceover studio. Tune in at JustBecausePodcast.com and on iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Working at the Indiana Jones uh, Epic Stunt Spectacular was uh, pretty epic, too. I had to usher about 2,000 people in, and I would have to stand in front of the entire audience and say, Everybody, please stand up. Move all the way to the left. Filling an oh, and I had to say it like this so people would pay attention to me. I had to be like weird and dramatic, or nobody would pay any attention. I had to be like zany and funny and 
Otherwise, people would just ignore what I was saying. I had to get their attention. So I would do something like, everybody, please stand up and move all the way to the left, filling in all the available seats so that everybody who enters the theater will have room to sit. Saying that to 2,000 people is a little bit of an ego trip, I must say. Um, <laughs> but one thing I remember people would get so upset when they couldn't go into the theater because there was a capacity limit and it was very strictly upheld because it was a fire code. And once you reached a certain number, you were not allowed to let anybody else into the theater. So we had a number of angry people that wanted to see the show that couldn't, especially if it was the last show of the day. I had people actually hold up their passports to me saying they came from China to see this show. And I was just like, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about it. They would yell at me and then say things in Chinese that I didn't understand. It was probably not nice. I'm sure. But yeah, that was interesting. And another thing that really kind of made me laugh was the way they put on the show. They make it seem like all the jokes are off the cuff and it's all just like fresh and new each time. But every single time, every joke, everything they say is identical. It never changes. Everything they say to the, you know, the volunteers from the audience that they bring down, they'd say the same jokes. They always pick certain people so that they fit the jokes. Like they would pick one older guy, one pretty young girl you know, so that they can tell the jokes that they have pre-scripted in a certain way. And every show was identical. It never changed. There was no variation from the script whatsoever. So that was interesting and a little redundant. But, <laughs> right. but I would just kind of sit there and people had never seen the show before, how they would laugh at everything like it was brand new and and it had never been done before, and it was all... And I would just sit there going, this is not what they think it is. But, you know, you know it's all fantasy and entertainment. So I'm not... I, I must say, I can't say that I'm a big Star Wars fan. I like the films. I enjoy them. Um, I've seen every one of them, all six of them. But I'm not a Star Star Wars nerd by any means. I've never been interested in it to that level you know it wasn't that much of a thrill for me to work on star tours as it would be for somebody who was a big fan of the franchise but i still enjoyed it i mean i i like star wars and it was fun okay with all of the especially the the on stage time because uh you, you likely didn't really have any of this when you were doing the backstage stuff but for all of your on stage time do you have any favorite particular guest interaction stories of fun things you were able to do for them or, or you know, something that was really special for them or even something that they did that was maybe special for you? I know it's been a while. Well, I always enjoyed those guests that were interested in what I had to say about Disney because I always did have a lot to say. I like to talk about the history and everything. So I enjoyed those type of guest interactions where they were curious about things and they asked questions about, you know, the background, the history of the park. You know, that was always enjoyable. When I would see, you know, children that were seeing these things for the first time, it always, you know, moved me. I love to see the kids and everything having a good time. I can't really remember much more than that. I was enthusiastic and I enjoyed what I did. I loved to be there. So I did get a lot of good guest comments because, you know, I was willing to go the extra mile. It was important to me to, to live up to Walt Disney's criteria and legacy and make sure that every guest was having a good time. And that was important to me. Because a lot of people who work there, they're there because it's their job. And they appreciate, you know, Walt Disney and everything. But it's not as important to them as it would be to someone like me. So I really, you know, put forth the extra mile and wanted to make sure that the 
the guest had the, the best experience they could. That's why I love to talk about the history with them. That's usually when I got my guest compliments is when I took the time to like explain the history behind things and point things out to people. Did you ever have any of them argue with you? Like you would point something out, tell them the history of it, and they'd tell you you were wrong? No, I can't say that ever happened. I... Well, that's good. I know someone who has done the same kind of thing and has had people argue with him about things that he knew was right. It's kind of an awkward experience. If that ever happened, I would just, you know, let them have their way. No sense in arguing with a guest. The guest is always right, so. So after you've left the college program, have you ever thought about going back and working at the parks again? When I graduated from college, I moved back to California and stayed with my brother for a while. And I actually went down to Disneyland and applied for a job, and they didn't hire me <laughs> for whatever reason. So I didn't go back again. And then I moved to Rhode Island, and which is where I live now. So if the opportunity ever came up to work for Disney, I would definitely do that. But for now... No, I have not gone back to Disney since the college program, unfortunately. Okay. Do you remember the first time that you were working in the parks and it actually kind of hit you? I'm really here. Like, I'm actually doing this. Yeah, I would say when we were doing traditions and we went into the park for the little guided tour and they you know, brought us down Main Street and explained everything. And we were all wearing our name tags and uh, we had on suits and everything, going through the park in suits. And so everyone knew we worked there. And uh, then we all went on Pirates of the Caribbean and didn't have to stand in the line. And I'd have to say that's when it hit me. Probably even before that, it probably hit me when I pulled up to work the first day and saw the Matterhorn in the distance saying, wow, I'm here. I'm working in this place. <laughs> yeah, that could do it. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of touched on this already, but what did you love most about what you did? Well, I loved to be there to see the park and really take the time to study the details that you wouldn't see if you were a guest because you were there for hours and hours. So you really got to look at things and study them and learn about them. Every little detail of the architecture, you got to learn the ins and outs, like the mathematical equation that they have worked out for the loading of guests on the star speeders, these hidden things that you would not notice if you were a guest. So really learning about the park in major detail, learning about how they changed the flowers every few days because you would see them doing it, and, you know, how the whole operation is run behind the scenes. It really gives you a new perspective and a new appreciation for the place that even if you're an uber fan who knows everything about the park in and out has read every book nothing can compare to being there every day working there you learn things that you just could never learn just through the experience um, that just gives you a whole different perspective and a whole different appreciation of it sure very cool yeah i can see how that would be a favorite part yeah for you and probably be one of the favorite parts for me too actually yeah now as i mentioned in the intro kind of transition away from working at the parks but still your connection to it you have what i think is a pretty special website so could you tell us about it yeah disneychris.com i started it three years ago and it's basically for music and audio but i do have other content on there the main thing that people are most interested in, even though there are other aspects to it, is my Disneyland audio tour, which I have an extensive collection of um, audio from 
the original Disneyland, you know, really rare things. And the way I have it organized is so that it's broken up into chapters and each chapter is a different area of the park and every single track that I have. And right now I'm up to 750 different audio tracks. Wow. Every single one has a corresponding image, a unique image that goes with whatever the audio that is next to it is and a description, a little paragraph about exactly what it is. So I have 750 pictures and 750 descriptions that I wrote out. And, you know, it's all pretty artwork that I arranged, you know, using my illustration and design background as a little help there. But it's kind of set up so that you can take a tour of the park at home, close your eyes and imagine you're there. I don't just post the audio as I find it either. I, I edit everything. I clean it. I remove distortion. I remove background hiss if need be. You know, because a lot of the recordings you come by are, you know, not in the best condition because we're talking about rare archival stuff. You know, like I might have the narrative spiel for the Mark Twain and I'll add the sounds of the boat, the steam whistles, the bells. I'll add animals and birds and the sound of rippling water and the sound of Fort Wilderness as you pass it. So I kind of make mixes and add in sound effects and kind of create a you-are-there experience through sound. So I, I, you know, I edit everything. I create new mixes. And so it's not just posting music that I find. It, I you know, do my little treatment on it. I've been editing audio since I was about five years old. Wow. And I started, you know, recording using my dad's stereo system. I would record records onto cassette and then make little mixes and edit things. And I mean, I've been doing that since I was five years old and it just, I collected everything I could find. And, you know, I'm going to be 41 in a few days. So we're talking about 36 years <laughs> progressively through time. I've just amassed a lot of music, a lot of expertise in audio editing. When I was introduced to the magic of the computer, everything went to a whole new level. Since then, it's just grown and grown and grown. And in addition to the 750 uh, songs I already have posted, I have about 500 more I'm working on that I'm adding to the site, and they'll be added over the next year. I'm hoping to have everything caught up in time for July 17th, 2015, for the 60th uh, birthday. I'd like to have it all caught up by then, but I'm working diligently to get all the new content added yeah, so it's just kind of my passion project, and uh, it's uh, kind of a labor of love, I guess. But I just, I've always been fascinated by vintage Disney audio, and I just love announcements and sound effects, and I know it's odd, but I mean, one of the things I loved about going to the parks when I was a kid was just listening to the music and I didn't have access to the Tiki Room soundtrack at home when I was a kid. So the only time I could ever hear it was when I went to the park itself. So to be able to just any time I want listen to the Tiki Room is just like a dream come true. I mean, if, when I was a kid, that would have been a dream come true for me. So. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely not be one to call this uh, an odd <laughs> hobby or activity or anything because I started going to Disneyland pretty frequently in my early 20s and I don't know how long after I had started going but I started bringing a mini cassette recorder and an external microphone with me and standing in the queues and writing the attractions and seeing the shows and things and recording all of that audio mm -hmm. and then putting up clips because I didn't have a lot of storage space but I was putting up little segments of it on an AOL hosted website. <laughs> and I still have a little bit of that, but not much. Yeah. But I remember how much fun it was and kind of the same motivation. But uh, obviously, you've 
taken it to a significantly different level than I did. Yeah. But still, I I understand why you would want to do that and yeah. you know, how much fun you would have doing that. And the thing that's really fantastic for me is that I'm contacted by all these people that have worked in the park and have access to certain recordings that can't be found anywhere and they want to share them with me so you know people who have been in old parades from the 80s and whatnot they contact me and say hey do you have this and so through the website i've just obtained so much more than i could ever dream of having because so many people are so generously wanting to share because i think they want it they want a one place stop where you can go to find all this and i've talked to um some people who have uh, affiliations with disney and you know i do realize that a lot of this material in fact all of it pretty much is copywritten but disney has a policy of live and let live when it comes to fan run websites even if it has copywritten audio and whatnot, because they see it as promotion for them. And it's nonprofit. I'm not making any money from doing this. I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody. I'm not making any claims of being affiliated with Disney. Um, as long as, you know, you stay under those guidelines. I've been told through third parties that Disney will not ever bother me because they just actually find these type of and i'm not the only one out there there are other audio sites out there disney just kind of turns a blind eye to it because they're not really that concerned about their vintage library they're more concerned about the new stuff that they're putting out as far as copyright issues right they're not concerned about 1955 announcements from disneyland because there's not really nobody's gonna buy that really i mean people like you and me will right anybody listening to this podcast probably would but the majority of people out there wouldn't so there's not really money to be made by them from this stuff so they really don't take issue with it so i do have confirmation that disney supports me indirectly um and they're never going to bother me for what I've been doing so I feel comfortable with what I'm doing and I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong so and the site it's all streaming audio it's not downloadable yeah right? you cannot download it from my site which is another thing that I am careful about it's just you have to go there to listen to it that probably helps with the copyright protection too it's right. not like right. you know someone can come here and download it and then put it on their mp3 player or burn a cd or something and right. then carry it around or sell it or something right and i also you know have places on my website saying do you like what you hear to purchase this music please visit www.disneyrecords.com so you know i'm telling people if they like what they hear go buy it mm -hmm. so that's good too and you know i support the mouse myself i spend a lot of money supporting Disney and have over the years. And I want people to do the same. I don't want them to not buy music directly from Disney. I want them to support the mouse because the more money Disney makes, the more wonderful things they create. So um, I'm not interested in making money off of Disney and I want people to support Disney. Right. Of your your site, which you've mentioned 750 tracks that you have, 500 more that you're working on. Is there anything you don't have yet that you really want? Quite a few things. I have a wish list. Um, if you go to my site, there's a index of all the, the songs that are included in my audio tour. You can go to the index, and at the bottom of the index, I have a wish list of about 150 things that I would like to eventually obtain so anybody can go check that out and if they have any of that and they're listening to this and they would like to share please contact me <laughs> yeah yeah i'm actually looking at that list right now you told me i had your site up so when you told me where to go i clicked on it and yeah i'm looking at it some of it probably doesn't even exist but i put it on there just because you never know what might turn up yeah 
even if it wasn't used for very long or it was never right. actually used in the park, there still might be somebody that, if it was done, might have a copy of it. Yeah, well, there there's things that I've obtained that I thought would be impossible to ever find. For example, I recently um, received a copy of a, an old broadcast from 1961 which was called The Sounds of America. It was part of a television series called The Bell Telephone Hour. And on this one episode, it was filmed at Disneyland in 1961. It had all original music. It was a musical hour of all original songs performed in the park. And somebody sent me this. I never thought it would be possible to find that. That's actually what I'm working on right now. That's going to be the next thing I'm adding to the website. I'm working on a chapter right now called Disneyland in TV Land. And it's all audio from vintage television broadcasts that are about Disneyland. You know, from the Disneyland television series to the wonderful world of Disney all the episodes of these shows that were about the park. So that's going to be added to that chapter, and I'm working on that right now. Um, it should be completed in a few days, and I'll be posting all those songs on the site. That's pretty exciting because it's something that I never thought in a million years I would ever have access to. And I don't think anybody, I think very few people have ever heard this music. And when I post it, it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm really excited to share it. I look forward to hearing it. Because you work on this pretty much every day, it looks like. You're adding something. Yeah. Well, I'm unable to work because of a disability that I have. And I can't really leave my apartment too much because of it. So this is basically my full-time job. Um, keeps me busy, keeps me sane. I just couldn't sit around and watch TV all the time. I have to do something creative, something, you know, fun. Um, so basically, this is my full-time job. Uh-huh. So that's why I'm adding something every day. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I'm lucky to be able to do that. I mean, I'm, I wish I could work, but at least I have something to do to keep me busy, so. Right. So, and speaking of doing things daily. I, I know you've got a song of the day that you post as well. Yes. Um, actually, coming up next month, I'm doing a special song of the day for Halloween. And I'm going to have a villain a day song of the day. But the song of the day is um, every day I post a special song for the day, just kind of at random. Doesn't really have to do with what day it is. And I keep them all in an archive so you can go back and listen to all the past ones. I've been doing it for three years, but I only have about a year and a half because the original website that I had, I I shut down and went to a different uh, uh, web host because I was having issues with my original web host. So I redid, I started my website on a new host about a year and a half ago. So when I did that, I decided that I wasn't going to transport all the song of the day stuff that I had done, and I would just start over again on that. So I have about a year and a half's worth of song of the days that you can go back and listen to all the past ones. There's also an index for that, too, so you can go and look at the main index and see all of the songs that are available. So I just add a new song every day on the home page, and then you can go to the archive and look at all the past ones and listen to them. And it could be anything from Disney. Today's song of the day, we're recording this. What's today's date? Today is September 20th. Yes, yeah, September 20th song of the day is a song from the movie Popeye, the song Sweet Haven from the movie Popeye, which was co-produced by Disney. Right. Yeah, they just talked about it on the Disney Film Project podcast I heard that. this week. I, I listened to that. I enjoyed that. That was a good one. I enjoy that podcast. That's one of the ones I like to listen to. I've been able to be on it a couple of times, which was a treat for me. Oh, really? I have to go back. Which ones were you on? I was on the newest Witch Mountain film. I think it's Race to Witch Mountain. Oh, I didn't listen to that one yet. I'll have to go check that out. And then I was also on Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, I'll have to go check that out, too. 
I'd like to hear those. I'll go. I'll go listen to those today. Yeah, those were a lot of fun, especially the Muppet Treasure Island one. We really had a good time talking about that one. Yeah, that's a fun movie. Yes. So the Disneyland kind of audio tour is Disneyland specific. Yeah. But the song of the day could be anything Disney. Anything Disney at all. I have another feature that uh, is just kind of a supplement to the site called the Song of the Year. And it starts from 1928 to 2013, because 2014 hasn't ended yet. So there is no song of the year yet. It could still be yet to be discovered. But every year has one song that I've picked to represent the year. So you start at 1928, and you can hear the Steamboat Willie soundtrack. And, you know, each year has a song and a picture, and it's kind of like, I call it a musical time machine. So you can kind of listen to all these songs and see how music has evolved over the the history of Disney, which is kind of fun. Uh-huh. And uh, I have a little write-up that I did that I call the Disneyland Story, and I wrote a little history of the beginning of how Disneyland started put lots of pictures and everything i wrote that out myself and you know just different fun little things i have some artwork you can download that i created through photoshop and different things like that so it's in addition to the audio tour of disneyland which is probably the main focus of the site there's lots of other fun things that you can check out too and it's you know mostly about audio but there's a few other little things you can check out very cool. So we've kind of talked about a lot of the different things on the site, but is there anything we've missed on there that you want to highlight that's a part of your site? Yes, um, I have a um, blog that I keep called the Audio Editor's Blog. And on there, I kind of track my progress of everything going on with the site. But the main thing I talk about, because the main thing that's constantly changing and progressing is the Disneyland audio tour. So you can go to the audio editor's blog and find out exactly what I'm doing, find out, you know, why I've made certain decisions and artistic choices. I explain them. I explain the process of, you know, what I do when it comes to doing the editing itself, how I cut things and paste things and clean the the hiss out and you know i explain the history behind the new things that i'm adding i go into a little bit more detail than i do in the actual where the music is posted i get into a little bit more detail of exactly what it is so if you really want an in-depth explanation of what's going on with the website you can read my blog i probably every three or four days add a new entry. And I started keeping it back in November of last year. So you can go back and kind of see everything I've done to the site since then. I did take a little break from doing audio because, you know, I have all those pictures on my site. With the 500 things that I have to add, I needed a picture for each one of those. So I took a few months to find all the pictures and um, Photoshop them and get them all ready. So I already have all the pictures in a folder waiting to be added as I add all the new tracks to the site. That took me a few months to do. Another thing, I don't just add the pictures. I clean them. I If the sky in the picture is gray, I color it in blue. Because I, I just have this thing about Every picture has to have a blue sky at Disneyland. There's no gray days at Disneyland. So, of course, everything had to be a color picture. The only exception to that is the Disneyland in TV Land page because that kind of fits the theme is to have certain things be black and white because it was for black and white television. But all the other pictures on all the other pages are full color and it's oftentimes a challenge to find a color picture of things that were there in the 50s for, you know, a year and rare things and whatnot. So a lot of scouring the Internet, looking for pictures, 
And then oftentimes you'll find a picture, but there's issues with it. You know, there's problems with it being dirty or whatever. So a lot of Photoshopping involved. And then there's times when you just simply can't find a picture in color. So you have to kind of make up one somehow by superimposing different things over each other. So in addition to the audio editing, there's a lot of photograph editing that I've done too to make sure that there's a picture for every single audio track that I have on the site. And that was no small task to get all those 500 pictures ready. It took me a few months. So I actually took some time off from doing all the audio, but I just recently finished all the pictures and just kind of started doing the audio again. Yeah, it's a very well done site, both visually and the audio. Thank you. And I'm glad to have the blog too, because sometimes it is nice to really be able to see what's going on, what the person's been working on, why they've made some of the choices that they have, that kind of thing. Yeah, I had some people request that I do that. So I complied after a while. I said, well, that's probably a good idea. So because I get a lot of questions and this way I can answer them before they get asked. And I love to get emails. I love to answer any questions anybody has. I love to talk about my site. Anybody wants to know more information about anything, feel free to email me. And I usually answer back within minutes because I'm always at my computer and I don't have, I don't work. So I'm always home. So. (laughs) Right. Okay, good. And I'm definitely going to put links to everything in the show notes because I really want people to be able to get to this site and be able to experience and enjoy it. Right. But now just kind of a few questions to wrap up here. Um, First, if you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what would it be and why? I would have Randy Thornton's job. He's the person that has restored a lot of the vintage uh, soundtracks from the Disney archives. He's been working for the company since the 90s, and he's the one who created the um, 2005 50th anniversary six-disc set. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the person behind that, and he... He's the one who did all the um, soundtracks that were released in the 90s, like 101 Dalmatians and Alice in Wonderland and all those CDs that came out around that period. Yeah, I would have his job. He has access to all the Disney audio you could imagine. And to be able to restore all that and have access to the original tracks and not have to work with some of the ones that I get that are in pretty bad shape. Right. That would be wonderful. One thing I really wish they would do, I don't know if you've heard the, well, I'm sure you have, the um, Walt Disney and the Disneyland World's Fair set that came out a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. The CD set. There's a lot of instrumental music on there by Buddy Baker and George Bruins and, you know, all those composers that did music for Disney's films back in the 50s and 60s, they really should release a collection of their work, like have a, a George Bruins CD, have a Buddy Baker CD, all their instrumental pieces. That would be just wonderful. I wish they would release something like that. I... A lot of that music you can't hear without, you know, the sound effects and dialogue over it in the films. But to hear that music on that set with just that crystal clear digital quality and without any sound effects and dialogue over it just gives you a whole new appreciation for that instrumental Disney style music of that era. And they should come out with a collection of all the people that did scoring for Disney back in those days, have like a five CD collection. I mean, people who just listen to classical music would eat that up. You know, people that aren't Disney fans, but just are fans of classical orchestral music. Love that. So if anybody from Disney is listening, and if Randy Thornton is listening... You can have that idea. I won't sue you for taking my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Royalty free all yours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good idea. Yeah. 
Um, what inspires you? Disney, just seeing the architecture, the details, the way it affects children, seeing pictures of children, their eyes lighting up when they are on the carousel. I'm a very emotional guy, and I tend to get choked up pretty easily. <laughs> so, like, when I see things like that, like a little kid riding on a carousel, I remember when I did the same thing, and I just kind of get a little teary-eyed, and that inspires me. Just the impact it can have on on people, the positive message of disney you know i've had a lot of difficulties in my life didn't have the greatest childhood and disney just the optimism the the you know believe in your dreams message just always kind of brought me through those hard times and just made me keep a positive lookout on everything and you know new things could be better and things could change so that's kind of why Disney has always been so important to me because it really helped me get through some difficult times in my life and just kept my focus on a positive message. And so I think that's why I've always just kind of been so passionate about it because it's really, you know, helped me in my life and kept my life happy even through the most difficult of times. So, yeah, I think Disney. There's so many aspects of it that can be inspiring for so many people. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think that we love about it. Yeah. And Walt Disney inspires me. The things that he said, the things that he believed in, his ideals, his philosophy, his uh, passion for creating the best that it could be. I'd like to think that I have a little of that in myself, too, hopefully, and that definitely comes from my admiration for Walt Disney, my perfectionism, my strive to do the best that I can. That's definitely an inspiration. I can see why. Yeah. And now you've had some pretty cool experiences. You got to work for work at Disneyland, work at Walt Disney World in the college program. I think you're the first guest that I've talked to that wasn't in a performing group that has worked on both coasts and you know now you've got your disneyland related website and all of that amazing audio and the you know all the time and everything you put into it's made up for a really impressive website and you know i'm sure that there's somebody listening to this interview that's said more than once you know i wish i could do that whether it's you know work for the parks or have a website that's like yours is or something but though you know i I'd like to do that, but I probably can't. So if you could give some advice to that person, what would you say? Well, I'll tell you, when I um, started my website, I knew absolutely nothing about web design. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> I mean, I just had to like teach myself how to figure it out. I really wanted to have a website, so I figured out how to do it. I chose a web host that was pretty user-friendly to begin with. So in that aspect, I'm glad I went with the service that I started with because it. I don't think I could have figured it out if I had started with the one I'm using now. But because I had started with the, the one that I originally went with, I learned a lot through their user-friendliness that I was able to you know take to the less... Uh, user-friendly version, which is actually better in the long run, but I would have never been able to figure it out if I hadn't started with the other <laughs> one. So, I mean, just find a service out there that is user-friendly. There are many out there that kind of walks you through how to do it. It's very easy to figure it out. If you really want a website, anybody can do it, and it doesn't really require knowing code and I mean, things have become more user-friendly these days where you're able to do things visually and not by typing in a bunch of dashes and spaces and, and colons and things anymore. So it's not as difficult as you might think it is. The other thing is, as far as editing audio, 
there's a lot of free software out there that you can download onto your computer and just learn by doing. I mean, I started to um, do the the editing on the computer without knowing anything about how how to do it. I just wanted to learn, so I taught myself and just over time became more more of an expert at it. Don't be um, thrown off by thinking that you can't do it and it's too hard and you can't figure it out. It's too technical. I am certainly not a technical person. I am not an expert at computers. I wanted to figure it out, so I learned how and just figured it out because there was a, a desire to do so. But people ask me, like, how much, how many gigabytes gigabytes whatever is in my file and i'm like i don't know <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just edit the audio i can't give you any technical information about it you know that's not my area of expertise if it sounds good and if it looks good then it's good for me so <laughs> right yeah i actually for this podcast use free audio editing software you know, you can do a lot with it. Like you said, you know, it just takes time and the willingness to experiment and practice and try and and work at it. I guess it's kind of a matter of there's the obstacles, but wanting it more than the size of the obstacles. And so being willing to face them and overcome them to do the thing that you want to do. Exactly. That's great advice. Thank you. And now finally, it is shameless plug time. Of course, we've talked about your website, but let's go ahead and give people right here at the end the, the spot where you know, we'll hit that again and anything else that you want to mention or promote. You know, Maybe how people can find you on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is that you've got that you want to put out there. Now's the time. Sure. My Twitter account is at DisneyChris73, and feel free to add me. My email, and please email me, anybody that's interested in learning more about my site. My email address is D-C-L-Y-N-D-O-N, that's D-C-Linden, at gmail.com. And my website is DisneyChris.com. And also I mentioned that I had done a parade podcast, mm -hmm. The History of Disneyland Parades. It's a three-part episode. Um, so far, the first two parts have been released, and the third part will be released next week. Um, and it covers the history of Disneyland parades from 1955 to the present. And it's with the Disney Dose podcast, and I think that's DisneyDose.com. You can check that out over there. So that's pretty much... Uh, all my shameless plugs for now. Okay. Oh, and let me mention, too, because I mentioned the, the Sounds of America, which I'm going to be adding to the site in the next few days. The person who shared that with me has a website, and I'd like to let you know what that is because he was very generous to share that with me. Sure. He actually interesting he worked for disney he helped to produce the series tailspin hmm. he um has some inside connections with disney his name is scott wolf and his website which is actually a really neat website lots of pictures and some really neat interviews www.mouseclubhouse.com and he shared that uh, audio for the Sounds of America, which I'm going to be posting soon. And he also sent me a lot of other things, which I'm going to be adding to the site in the months ahead. So you should check that out. And just one more. There's a person that I work with a lot. Uh, we share audio together and everything. And his name is also Scott. And he has a website called horseandrabbit.com. It's a video cast, and he has a lot of his trips to Disneyland with his family, and you can watch those over there. And just want to give him a shout out because he's contributed a lot to my website. Definitely. Okay, yeah, and I'll put links to them in the show notes too so that people can go there and see what they've got going on as well. Great. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Chris, and 
sharing your stories and your memories and your website with us. And we really appreciate it and definitely look forward to spending many, 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 many hours on your site <laughs> enjoying all that you've put up there. Great. Please do. Come and enjoy it. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Chris Linden for being my guest and to you for listening. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who have worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or had any special Disney experience you want to share, or give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney has done, I'd love to hear from you, too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about what you're doing, what you did for Disney, or your experience and what you want to express appreciation for. Now for that input request I mentioned at the top of the show. I want to keep Stories of the Magic fresh and make it meet your interests and needs, so I'm thinking of changing it up a bit. The interviews will remain the core of the show, but do you want to hear anything else? Disney news? My opinion about any Disney-related stuff? Disney parks tips, trivia, or tidbits? Or maybe a Q&A where you can ask me anything, preferably having to do with Disney? Comment on the show notes for this episode, episode 68. Call the listener feedback line, email me, or even post it on the Facebook page, and let me know which of these you want. Of course, if you prefer I leave things exactly like they are, tell me that, too. Since I've just asked you to do something for me, and for the show, we'll skip the social media and rating stuff this time. If you want any of the contact information, including social media links, head to storiesofthemagic.com and it's all right there for you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.